0: We've been in the series on margin, just a short one. Last week was our first week, and um, it's all about creating margin in our lives. I challenged you guys last week to, um, every day, to carve out 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and just sit in Abba's presence. Um, I don't know if, if, uh, if anybody got anything out of that. If you wanted to share it, you certainly could. I know for myself, there was a moment where I was sitting And just kind of thinking about this word with. What does it mean to be with? And I just really felt like, um, well, first off, it was really, really hard to just concentrate and to be in that space. But also, I felt like, um, you know, just a a challenge in my own spirit to be more intentional about being with God. And so I was doing that this week and it was awesome. Also. I was talking about um, schedule, try to schedule something in the future to intentionally spend time with God. So maybe like a retreat, a, a prayer retreat, a fasting retreat for yourself, and, um, and, and uh, get it on the calendar. So I, I called my place and that I like to go, and I had a couple of folks that asked me you know, for some good spots to go and, and just do a retreat. And I just I can't encourage that enough. Um, I try to go a couple times a year and just intentionally spend some time there, and I would encourage you to do the same because it's important to make margin. It's important to carve out margin, to create margin in our lives. Um, What we talked about last week was that when we don't have margin, when we are in a place where we're lacking margin, those are the times where we fall. Those are the times that we fail. Those are the times that we burn out. Those are the times that our relationships suffer. And um, tonight, we're going to talk about moral margin. Actually, we're going to talk about this guy named Frank. Y'all know Frank? Y'all know Frank? So when Jessa and I were dating, um, so she's from Canada, but she also grew up in this lake family that they're very serious about like saying proper words and she says things like process. Anybody here say process? Like trust the process? Anybody say it like that? I don't say it like that. Anyway, she says it like that. So she says all these like proper words and stuff and, uh, and she called me up one time we were dating and she said, hey, um, we really need to have a frank conversation. And I was like, uh, what? She goes, we need to have a frank conversation. And I was like, what are you talking about? She was like, a serious, honest, frank conversation. And I'm like, so we're going to talk about Frank? And that kind of just stuck, right? So anytime we were... Um, when we were dating, and we were having a conversation about like serious stuff, like boundaries and and um, our goals for the future and like values. If we were, it wasn't like she was just gonna spring it on me and say, "Hey, what's your um, theology on um, once saved, always saved?" You know, it would just be like, "Hey, can we have a frank conversation? Can we talk about Frank?" Was kind of our thing, so we kind of knew we were about to go deep, right? And that was important because it helped me kind of like prepare my heart and my mind for the talk that we we're getting ready to have. And um, so tonight, we're going to talk about Frank, okay? Um, I want to ask you a question, but I don't want you to respond right away. We'll, we'll do this in just a second. But I want to ask you, do you know someone whose life has been massively impacted by sexual sin? So I'm going to run through a few situations, scenarios. Maybe a pornography addiction ruined a really, really good relationship. Um, maybe they got caught looking at pornography at work and they lost their job. Uh, maybe a sexual uh, relationship with a coworker and it turned ugly and that ended in um, like a job loss or something. Um, maybe someone actually contracted an STD. That's a thing, right? Um, Maybe uh, someone had an inappropriate sexual relationship with someone and and it became a legal situation. And now they have a record. They maybe had some prison time. Maybe somebody you know got pregnant in a vulnerable time of their life and with the pressures of the situation decided to have an abortion. Maybe somebody that you... um, uh, Noah was sexually active early on, and by the time they got into a really good relationship, they had some that had some real potential. They entered into this relationship, and they brought so much baggage from that time of their life that it was a real struggle to have to work through all of that. Do you know somebody whose life has been massively impacted by sexual sin? You see, here's the thing. Nobody sets out, and, and, you know, I hate the question, where do you see yourself in five years, right? But nobody has ever answered that question by saying, hey, I just want to fail to sexual sin. I want to fall to sexual sin. I want it to ruin my life. I want my life to be devastated by some mistake. Nobody's ever said that. But on the other side of sexual tragedy, what we hear all the time is, I never thought it would happen to me. I never thought it would happen to me. All of these situations that I mentioned, and there's a million more possible scenarios, um, these people at some point, I believe, lacked moral margin. Moral margin. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. What is moral margin? And I think uh, a definition that we can work with as we move forward in this is it's putting distance between myself and temptation, okay? Moral margin is putting distance between myself and temptation. Now here's the thing, temptation in and of itself is not sin. I grew up thinking that it was, so I grew up in this denomination where, um, They are, are, you know, they give you a whole bunch of rules that you have to follow. And I grew up thinking that they were preaching that these things are sinful and, and that just wasn't true. And and so I I think they kind of get a little bit of a bad rap. What they're actually saying is they're not saying that these, these behaviors, these activities are sinful. What in talking about temptation, um, or, or, or behavior that might put myself in a situation where I'm tempted, that behavior is not sinful, but it's imprudent. And what it does is, in terms of proximity, it moves me toward or closer to temptation, and it weakens my ability to fight it. So moral margin is this buffer that we put around our lives in order to guard our hearts and our minds and to keep our distance from temptation and keep up our strength to resist it when we bump into it, right? We bump into it, right? We're going to hit temptation. We're going to have temptations in our lives, but we're going to look at a passage where I think the author is saying... Man, do everything in our power to avoid it as much as we can. Like don't even put ourselves in a position to be tempted is like best practices. Um, so we're going to look at James 1. You go ahead and turn there really quickly. Um, we're going to start in verse 13. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Hear this. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. That's like heavy stuff. Like super heavy stuff. Okay, so a couple things I wanna just point out here really quickly. Um, entice, this, this word entice in the Greek is derived from this word "delazzo." And it means to lure or to catch by bait. And it's kind of a fishing terminology. And, uh, and it's kind of this idea that there's a hook and I'm gonna hook you and I'm gonna lure you and entice you with bait and then hook you and then I got you. You guys understand that your spiritual enemy It's trying to hook you, to tempt you, to entice you into something that will cause sin to be born. Because when it's fully grown, it doesn't lead to life, right? It leads to death. And it's kind of crazy. I'm honestly a little disturbed at the way that he talks about sin in our lives, right? We might think of sin like, oh, well, you know, I told a little white lie or I don't know, man, the stuff we do, right? I screw up all the time, and, and sometimes I find myself kind of blowing it off or justifying it or anything. But, man, the way that he talks about it right here, he says, you know, this is something that, that is born into our lives when sin is conceived, when that temptation wins over, when I am enticed, when I'm hooked. That sin is born, and it grows, it can grow. If we give it a foothold, it can grow and it can grow and it can grow. That's scary, man. That's scary, but that's that's what's happening in our heart, in our soul, in our mind when sin takes over. Um and it's crazy because it actually says that sin births something in your life. That's crazy. Sin can actually birth something in your life. What does it birth? It births death. That sounds like a total oxymoron, but it does. Sin births death in your life. It's not good things that it brings. It's death of relationships. It's death of future careers. It's death of witness for Christ. It's death of of a sense of belonging, meaning, and purpose, and its death of boundaries toward other sins. So, we've been uh, we had a relationship series where we were talking about lost in translation, and uh, this series is not specifically about relationships. But man, I don't know about you guys, but when we're talking about moral margin, there is no greater temptation. Um, in terms of a failure morally than our sexual temptation, and I think it it kind of leads the role in the the heaviness of that temptation in our lives. And so we're kind to kind of just speak into that specifically tonight. But honestly, you can take anything here and apply it to any other area of your life. And I think it will serve you so well to build in these moral margins in areas where we find ourselves tempted. So when I'm um, talking with high schoolers and, you know, they're dating and it's goofy Um, (laughs) you know, you you get the question eventually, right? You get the question, well, okay, so how far can we go? And, or, or, or how far is too far? When do I know I've gone, I've crossed the line? I heard one time that success in life is all about asking the right questions. And I'm sorry, but that's just not the right questions to be asking. You see, what they're asking for is, where's that line? Because if I know where that line is, I want to get as close as I can possibly get to that line without going over. But what we don't realize is that to get to that line, we've crossed like an infinite number of lines of, of um, compromise to get to that line of certainty that I failed. So this is bad logic. I want to get as close as I can to hurting myself without actually hurting myself. There's no other part of our lives where we approach something that way, right? That normal people just don't think that way about other parts of their lives. It's not like you, you know, it's kind of like how many times can I put my head in an alligator's mouth before he's finally just going to eat my head off? That just doesn't make sense. We, that's not a that's not a wise way of living. You're not going to find that in Proverbs. Normal people don't do that. Yet, with sexual sin, this is what we do. We push right up to that line. We don't set moral boundaries oftentimes, and we fall. And we, and if you're here and you're single, um, I just want to say that this totally applies to, like, dating relationships, right? If you're, um, you know, uh, talking with somebody or whatever and you're, you're uh, this person that you're talking to is already kind of, like, pushing you to make compromises. Do you know that this point in the relationship, they are going to be on their best behavior? If that's their best if their best is pushing you to make compromises, massive red flag. Run away. If you're here and you're in a dating relationship, man, I feel for you. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. I get it. This stuff is not normal. What we're talking about tonight is not normal. Normal. And it's hard if you're um, married. I mean, there is a covenant relationship that's there. And um, prioritizing that covenant is the highest priority. And, and putting Christ first in that relationship. And, and you can still fall inside of a marriage. So I think this is so important for all of us. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20 says, Flee from sexual immorality, all kinds of sexual immorality. In fact, um, the the word here, sexual immorality in the Greek is kind of specifically speaking to anything that's going to cause you to fall or be tempted outside of a marriage relationship. That's what it's talking about. So all other sin a person commits are outside of the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit? I talk about this all the time. We don't come to church. We don't come to church to come here to meet God. We show up bringing our sanctuaries with us because Christ lives in here. It's the temple of the living God who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. So he says here, what's the word? He says flee. Run away from it. Run away from sexual immorality, not flirt with it. The word here is fugo, and I mean it literally means run away, run for the hills, create distance. I believe that there's supposed to be um, this buffer then by the time that you actually get up close to the line of sexual immorality, you have already, uh, like I said earlier, crossed so many lines of, of compromise just to get into that place. So I want to get practical really quickly. We're not going to talk long, and then we'll jump into um, small groups. I just want to give you a few things that helped me, I hope it helps you, and you can probably come up with a million other examples of practical ways to create moral margin in your life, okay? These are not normal, and you're gonna hear them, and you're gonna say, well, that's kind of crazy. I'm not saying if you don't do these things that you have sinned, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that if you're serious about honoring your body, honoring your God, that these things are a great way to create moral margin in our lives. Number one, four on the floor. Never situate yourself in such a way where you don't have both people's feet on the floor, okay? I've seen it, you know, you have good intentions, she comes over for a Bible study, right? We're good Christians, and she lays her feet up on your lap, right? And her legs are touching your legs, Right? Awkward. Yo. Okay, anyway. We'll move on (laughs) to the next one. Talk about Frank. Talk about Frank. You can use that too, by the way. You can, um, if you're dating or if you're ever talking with somebody or or it's even more serious, uh, maybe you're in a marriage, you can, uh, Jessa and I still do this all the time. We say, hey, can we... Can we talk about Frank? And it, like, helps us get in that mode of, like, okay, we're about to get deep. It's helpful. And um, just, again, creating space, intentional space to talk about your boundaries. Jessa and I, we had, we made it very clear, like, this is, the, the safety buffer that we're going to create for our marriage, or I'm sorry, our, our relationship. And we knew it, we had it in place, and we, we fought hard to honor that. And I didn't know, I didn't know until after I found out, you know, her experience. If you guys uh, know a little bit of my, my wife's story, she um, suffered sexual trafficking sex trafficking when she was younger, I never knew that those kind of conversations were actually communicating way more than I thought. Because as I sat down with her and I said, hey, by the way, I want to honor you in this way. I want to respect you in this way. And I want to honor our relationship in this way. And I want God to be centered in our relationship in this way. She's on the other side hearing like, wow, there's actually such a thing as a safe guy. And some of those things help to, like, man, just redefine stuff for her. So I, I think you cannot go wrong by creating an intentional space to talk about our friend Frank. Right? Okay. All right. Weird. Don't play house. Don't play house. I get it. Um, you know, again, with the Bible study, right? We're good Christians. Um, She comes over and you guys study for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. um, And then you watch a movie. And by the time you get done with the movie, everybody's asleep and you're tired. And it's way easier to just stay the night. Right? Don't do it. Don't do it. Go home. Use your own toothbrush. (laughs) All right, don't stay the night. Don't play house. Just a buffer, that's all, just a buffer. All right, uh, next one, don't be alone. Goes without saying, don't be alone. Fight every temptation, every opportunity to be alone. Never, the way that I heard it said was never put yourself in a position where you can fall right if you uh, or make not make not provision for the flesh right if you don't ever hang out together by yourselves it's going to be pretty embarrassing if you try something right if you're always around people so it safeguards your relationship and lastly guard your eyes your mind and your heart so today jess and i have been married for almost seven years um I turned 40 this year, um, and I still have covenant eyes on every device in my house that I have control of, and if you don't know what that is, it's like a blocker. It tracks everything that you click, everything that you see, everything that, it tracks all of it, and it creates a report, and it sends it to Somebody. I'm serious about not making provision for my flesh and, and, and failing, morally failing in my marriage. So guess who I have my report sent to today? My folks, my mom and dad. Not kidding. That's motivation to not be trolling around on the internet looking at stuff that's going to destroy my mind. That's motivation to not be on the internet trolling around to, to look at things that are going to ruin things that are sacred and holy and awesome in this relationship that I value so deeply. It's worth it to me. So let's create moral margin in our lives. Let's create a buffer, right, so big that there's just no way we would ever, we would ever even get close to the line. That's the wrong question to ask It's how can I create this buffer and, and honor it and keep it in place and honor that person and respect that person in my relationship. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, Frank. He's a cool guy. Um, thank you that we can have a conversation like this. No, know it's a little awkward. But I think it's so important to dig into because it is sexual sin. I bet if I asked everyone to raise their, their, their those who... Um, know somebody whose life has been destroyed. I bet every room would be, every hand would be raised in this room. God, I believe sexual sin is the way that the enemy comes and attacks us and succeeds so many times. We've seen it. We've heard it. Maybe we've been there personally. So God, I just pray that um, you would be in our conversations this evening God that you would help us to to be authentic and be a little vulnerable and and maybe take a little bit of a risk but to talk through this maybe we can encourage each other that we're not in this alone that maybe give some good ideas for how to how to do this well so father we just love you in Jesus name amen